Last week, uh, we saw that great showdown between uh, the God of Heaven and then, of course, the God of uh, the God Baal. And uh, we saw how uh, those Baal worshippers—they were up on Mount Carmel and they were they were doing their thing, trying to get the get the Baal's attention and uh, trying to get them to him to get fire down uh, from the sky and, and consume that uh, that ox. And it didn't work out very well. They went to dramatic measure through dramatic measures, and they tried to uh, uh, everything from dancing to cutting themselves to screaming and crying and nothing. But then Elijah says a prayer, probably maybe around 30 seconds long, and then boom, it all comes down. And it said, the Bible says that it licked up the, the water that was in the trench. It just completely consumed the sacrifice. And that right there just shows us the power of God. Uh, so uh, as, we, as we are... Continuing on here, we see that Elijah, just last week, we saw he experienced a very great victory on Mount Carmel. I mean, he was you know, on the mountaintop in, in several ways, wasn't he? Uh, he, he was victorious. God was victorious. He uh, experienced a great victory. And we're going to see next week that he experiences a great depression. But tonight, we're going to see that he experiences a great answer to prayer. So let's look at uh, 1 Kings 18 and look at verse 41. It says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees, and said to his servant, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds and winds, and there was a great rain. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. But the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. And he girded up his loins, and he ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. You know, it's really easy to look at somebody like Elijah and look at his life and think of him to be some spiritual giant. And I think that that's, that's appropriate in a sense. Uh, but maybe you look at what we saw last week with Elijah being able to call down fire from heaven and you think of him to be really on some uh, higher spiritual level than we are. But you know what the Bible tells us? The, the passage right there shows us uh, that, that Elijah was simply a man. But the Bible also tells us in the book of James that he was a man subject to like passions as we are. Let's go to James chapter 5. I want to look at several verses there. And we'll go back to 1 Kings in a few moments. But uh, if this passage and really the following chapter in chapter 19 when we see the depression of Elijah, if it shows us anything, uh, it is the fact that he was a man and he was flesh and he was weak. Look at James chapter 5. And I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit here. But look at when it says in James 5.17, and you probably know the verse, but it's good to see it anyway. It says, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on earth by the space of three years and six months. So Elijah was a man. He was weak. He, like us, was vulnerable. And uh, he was in desperate need of the mighty God. So tonight... We're going to be looking at some lessons in prayer from Elijah. I've already kind of told you that, that this is about prayer. But what we just read in 1 Kings from 
verse chapter 18, verse 41 to 46, though that word prayer is not mentioned in that, that was indeed a time of prayer for Elijah. Now we know this in part because of his posture. We'll look into it a little bit more in a few minutes, but we saw that he went to the top of the mountain and he casted himself down humbly to the earth and then he put his face between his knees. This was a posture of prayer. But we also know this because of James 5, verse 18. We know that this was a time of prayer. Look at verse 18 there. You should be there. It says, And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. So we know that rain comes in in 1 Kings, after Elijah comes down from the mountain, as we already read. Uh, And this passage in James, that Elijah prayed for the rain to come, and then it did come. So as we examine this time of prayer in Elijah's life, we see really how Elijah is a great example about how we should pray as Christians. And again, I've already mentioned this, prayer is one of the most neglected aspects in the Christian life. And um, it really should be something that we depend on the most, shouldn't it? Again, we, we talk about all the time, prayer and Bible reading, prayer and Bible reading. It cannot be overstated. We need to be people of prayer. Ian e. Bounds, he wrote several books on the subject of prayer, and he said this, he said that prayer is the greatest of all forces because it honors God and brings Him into active aid. Hey, you need God, you pray. You need God to help you with something, you pray. He also said that prayer is our most most formidable weapon, but the one in which we are the least skilled and yet the most adverse to use. Now, here's, here's something we need to understand. When we pray, it does indeed bring God into active aid. Prayer is powerful. Prayer does great things. Prayer moves the hand of God. And I think that that might just be half of the problem with us as Christians, why we don't pray as much as we should, because we don't really believe that it has a power that God says it has. Look at James chapter 5 and, and look at verse 16. Let me go back just a little bit. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So church, prayer makes a difference. Prayer made a difference in the life of Chelsea. Prayer helped that. Prayer made the life uh, a difference in the life of Carl. Prayer helped. Prayer can do many wonderful things. So knowing the importance and the power of prayer, coupled with what we're going to see tonight, I, I, I hope and I pray that uh, you'll be moved to pray more. And if you don't pray every day, I hope that you will uh, start as you live your Christian life. But we see really three lessons in the, this time of prayer with Elijah. So let's go back to 1 Kings 18. Now that we've set all this up, look at 1 Kings 18 again. We see three lessons. The first lesson that we can learn from the life, or rather the prayer life of Elijah in this passage, is the importance of getting alone with God. Or, you could even just say, the importance of just praying in general. Look at verse 41 of 1 Kings 18 again, and we'll look at verse 42 as well. It says, And Elijah said unto Ahab, Get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. We see here that Elijah, he instructs Ahab to go eat and drink because the rain is going to fall. Now let me just, say, let me just remind you who Ahab is, okay? He's that evil king that led the Israelites into idolatry. You know what? God would have been completely justified if he would have killed him right there. He would have. He was deserving of that. 
And yet, Elijah says, hey, you go and celebrate, because rain is coming. And again, this is just yet another display of God's grace in this book. It's all through the book. God was being gracious to Ahab. So then, Elijah, he goes up to Mount Carmel to pray. And as we've already read, he had at least one servant with him, probably only one. But during this time, after this great victory on Mount Carmel... After he was down at the bottom, he comes back up. And what's he doing? He's breaking off from the busyness. He's breaking off from the excitement. And he is taking time to commune with God. And he falls down, prostrate to the ground. He, he kind of curls up in a ball. And he cries out to God. And he's no doubt praying intensely. Despite having won a tremendous victory over Baal and these Baal worshippers, Elijah knew the value of taking the time to pray. Again, here he was, coming off an incredible victory, and he still took the time to pray. And you know, church, this illustrates to us that regardless of the season that you may be going through in your life, whether it's good, or it's bad, or it's busy, or it's slow, or you're on the mountaintop, or you're in the valley, valley you need to take the time to just break off from everything and just pray to God. Just take the time to pray. So I want you to consider tonight... Do you have a time each day where you do pray and meet with the Lord? You know, we kinda, it's funny, we talked about Bible reading this morning. Here we are talking about prayer tonight. But do you take a time in the day to just get alone, away from the distraction, away from the busyness of life, and just fellowship with God, and you just bring your needs to Him? Do you have a time in your day where you cast your burdens to God? Do you have a time where you give thanks to God like we talked about, we heard uh, somebody mention tonight, and you just thank God for the blessings that He's given you in your life? Do you have a time where you pray for your children? You pray for the salvation of your children. You pray for the future spouses of your children or your grandchildren or you pray for those uh, that are lost or you pray for yourself. Do you have a time and a place where you just take the time to do such an important task as pray? Well, as Elijah, he sought to get along with God. He, again, he went up to this mountain. He really illustrates to us what Abraham did in Genesis 19. You remember uh, after the destruction of Sodom, what does it say? It says, Abraham got up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord. We know Abraham was a friend of God and he communed with God. But Elijah also illustrates to us what Jesus so often did in his earthly ministry. And we've seen this uh, recently in the book of Mark. But let's go to Matthew 14 and look at a couple places here. And Jesus is, of course, our example in everything. And he's no different when it comes to our example in prayer. Look at Matthew 14. And we'll look at verse 23. We see here in verse 23 of Matthew 14, says of Jesus, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. A different instance, but the same thing. In Luke chapter 6, look at verse 12. And this is right before uh, Jesus had his 12 disciples chosen, no doubt he was taking the time to pray specifically for this, for guidance, for direction. Look what it says in chapter 6, verse 12. It says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. 
you know, often an excuse, and I've used this excuse many times before too, uh, in the past when it comes to a lack of prayer is, well, you know, I'm too busy. You ever think that? Maybe you wouldn't verbalize it because it makes you sound terrible, <laughs> right? But you think it. I'm too busy. Well, tell me, how busy do you think Jesus was? I'm sure you're busy. I don't have any doubts that you're busy, especially this time of year. It's crazy. There's something going on every week probably, maybe every day. I'm sure you're busy, but consider Christ. You know, he could not even walk into a village without being mobbed, right? That's why he had to go in a mountain and pray. He couldn't even go into Peter's house and sit down for a meal. Why? Because people would barge to the door and disrupt him. So what did he do? Like Elijah, he departed to a mountain to pray. He made sure that he had a time and a place where he could pray. Now, from his times of prayer, no doubt he gained strength and clarity and guidance and an increased resolve to do the will of God. I mean, you just think about Jesus Christ. We know he was God in the flesh, but he, he still had flesh. He wasn't 100% God, but he was still 100% man. He, he, would, he would take these times to, to gain strength because, man, he, would just, he just poured his life into people. He poured his life into ministry. He poured his life into doing what the Father would have him do. And uh, he needed to have guidance and clarity and, and in a resolve to just do what God would have him do. You remember that prayer at the garden? When he said, not my will, but thine. Let this cup pass for me, but uh, nevertheless, I'll just do what you want me to do. He had an increased resolve to do God's will as he prayed. And listen, church, that is exactly what prayer does for us today. So consider this tonight. Do you pray? Do you commune with God and pour out your heart to him? I tell you what, I was, as I was preparing this, it might have been yesterday when I was looking into this, but I was so deeply convicted. I was reading about the prayer life of the average Muslim. I want you to listen to this. In Islam, prayer is a fundamental aspect of their religious practice. Muslims are required to perform five daily prayers while facing the Kaaba in Mecca. Five daily prayers. They believe that these prayers help them maintain a strong connection with Allah. It helps give them guidance for their daily life. They pray at pre-dawn, at midday, in the afternoon, at sunset, and at night. And each prayer consists of specific physical postures and recitations from the Quran. But apart from that, those obligatory prayers, they are also encouraged to engage in voluntary prayers, particularly during the night. And that really got me thinking, church. Muslims all across the world, they dedicate at least five times of prayer a day to their false God that does not even exist. And here we are, as Christians, with full access to the throne of grace, where the one true God sits, and yet we so often barely pray. And I tell you what, man, God have mercy on us if our prayer life to the one true God is weaker than the prayer life of a pagan to their false God. It's a sobering thought, but it's true. And I know it's been mentioned we are to pray always. That's true. We are to pray always, but a lot of Christians are not praying at all. And that's an issue. 
So it would be smart and very wise to start carving out a time to be with God and to pray every day and just start growing it from there. We have to get alone with God. We need to pray. Regardless of how busy you are, we cannot afford to not pray. Let's go back to 1 Kings 18. The second lesson that Elijah teaches us is the, the need for persistent prayer. He teaches us the need for persistent prayer. Look at verse 43 of this chapter. It says in verse 43, And he said to his servants, Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, There is nothing. And he said, Go again seven times. Let's just stop there. During this time of prayer, we see that Elijah, he was taking breaks in between his praying uh, to tell the one servant that was with him, Hey, look, go look towards the sea to see if there's rain coming. And you know what that shows us, church? That shows us great confidence in God. And he was not going to take no for an answer. He says, hey, has the rain come yet? Oh, the servant says, okay, well, let me go look. I'll go check it. Oh, not yet. And he said, go do it again seven times. So he keeps doing this. So during this time of prayer, he was persistent. He was waiting on God to fulfill his promise of bringing the rain. And while he did this, he continued to pray. And I want you to notice, he did not just give up after praying a few times. He just kept praying. He kept watching. He kept looking. He kept sending the servant out to go. And he kept on believing and begging God to send the rain. You know, it, this got me thinking about George Mueller. Many of you are very familiar with him. You ever want to be convicted about your prayer life and feel like garbage? And you just read him a little bit. <laughs> That'll help you out. But you know, Mueller was known to pray daily for eight specific friends that he had, that they would come to Christ. And this daily prayer resulted in his friends coming to Christ, one after another, after another, until it got down to one. There was one man left. And Mueller, being the man of faith and man of prayer that he was, he never stopped praying for that one unsaved friend. And uh, Mueller, uh, his, his concern and his words for this friend has been recorded, and he said this. He said, I have been praying, listen to this, for 63 years and 8 months for this one man's conversion. He's not saved yet, but he will be. He will be. And George Mueller was so convinced of his prayer to God, and that God would answer his prayer, uh, but he never saw him come to Christ. And George Mueller died at 93 years of age in, 19, or in 1898. But at George Mueller's funeral, his friend that he had been praying for was there. And as George Mueller's casket was being lowered into the grave, that man fell to his knees and he cried out and said, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he got saved. And it was there, at that, really, just by that graveside, in that dirt, right by George Mueller's casket, that he had trusted Christ. So the prayer of George Mueller was answered at last. And you think about this, do we have such a list? Do we have such persistency in our prayers as he did? Do we have such faith? I want you to know tonight that just as Elijah consistently prayed and just as he, he sought God to answer his prayer and just as George Mueller continually uh, sought God to answer his prayer, you know Christ, he wants us to also pray consistently. He wants us to pray fervently. He wants us to pray uh, constantly and without giving up. Let's go to Luke 18 and we see this. Jesus illustrates this to his disciples. 
in Luke 18, and this verse, there's a verse in here, I believe it's verse 6, I'm sorry, it's verse 1 that we're going to read. This is a verse that a lot of people uh, will go to when it comes to praying persistently, but a lot of times they they leave out the parable. The parable is really interesting that Jesus talks about here. Look at verse 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Saying, there was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me, O mine adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, Yet, because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. (laughs) So Jesus encourages his disciples, hey, you keep praying and do not faint. You know what that word faint means? Give up. So you keep praying, you do not give up, you, you pray continually, you do not give up no matter what, and he gives them a parable to encourage them in this exhortation. And this is the parable. The widow woman goes to a judge, The judge didn't care about God, had no regard for God, had no regard for people. He was not kind to people. He was an evil judge. And the widow begged for this judge to bring justice to an adversary of her. I don't know what happened, but she was wrong. She she had something done to her, and she wanted to see the person that wronged her be punished. And for an extended period of time, the judge would not do anything. But we see here that as time went by, The widow continually asked the judge for justice. She kept on coming to him. She kept on bothering him. She kept on pestering him. She kept on being persistent. And she was kind of like those spam calls that you get every day. And you just, it's just annoying, right? This is what she was like. She just wouldn't stop coming to the judge. And because she kept on coming, as we read... The judge decided to grant her request just so that he would, she would just leave him alone. The judge was weary of her and didn't want to get more weary. So she, he just decided, you know, I'm just going to give in to this woman. Look at verse 6. <clears throat> in verse 6, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on earth. So God uses this parable to encourage the saints, and specifically to encourage the disciples, as they no doubt would endure persecution. But this is what he was trying to get at. He was saying, look, won't God, who is just, answer our prayers? Won't God hear your prayers? Won't God come through uh, for you? Won't he guide you in your life? Won't he meet your needs? And by the way, just so you know, this judge that Jesus is talking about is not really giving so, giving so much to us as a symbol of God, but rather in contrast to God. Okay? The point is this. If such an unjust judge would respond to persistent pleas from a, a, a widow when, she, when this judge was wicked, then would not God who is perfect and who is just and who is loving and who is merciful, won't he do the same for his children as well? That's the point. So for this cause... We should consistently pray. We must pray and not faint. Pray and not give up. Continue to pray even when God does not give you the answer immediately. And man, I know 
Some of you probably feel this, maybe all of you. How easy it is to give up on our prayers. Well, you know, if God doesn't answer our prayer within a month, we feel defeated, it's a closed door, we might as well forget about it. No, that's not right. We need to pray persistently, like Elijah, and like Jesus told his disciples to. And we're going to see, of course, that, that God would indeed answer the prayer of Elijah. And you know, this should, this should really encourage our souls tonight. To know that, that Christ says, pray and do not faint. Pray and do not give up. That should encourage us to keep on praying for that lost friend or that lost family member or that lost co-worker that they would come to saving faith. That should encourage us to persistently pray for that, that, that lost sheep that's gone astray and that's been gone for years. That they would come back into the fold. This should encourage us to persistently pray for wisdom in our daily lives. This should encourage us to pray uh, for God to change the hearts of those that are hardened towards Him. This should encourage us to pray for whatever it is that you've been praying for for years to keep on praying. Do not give up. Do not faint. Continue to pray. Let's go back to 1 Kings 18. Lastly, the last lesson we see in prayer from Elijah here in this chapter is the value of praying the promises of God with faith. The value of praying the promises of God with faith. Look at verse 44. It says, It came to pass at the seventh time, and he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea, like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot, and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. And it came to pass in the meanwhile, that the heaven was black with clouds and wind, and there uh, was a great rain, and Ahab rode and went to Jezreel. And the hand of the Lord was, was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins, and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. We see here Elijah experienced a great answer to prayer. He got along with God, and he went to the mountain, he prayed, and he prayed persistently, and he experienced a very great answer to prayer. The rain had fallen. And it's funny how it started out. It says it just started out, it looked like it was as small as a man's hand coming out of the sea, and then it grew, and it grew, and then next thing you know, it's a great rain. And we see here that Elijah, as he prayed, he was no doubt praying uh, the word of God with great faith. He was praying the promises of God with mighty faith. And we've seen this happen already before. Uh, we know, as I've mentioned, I think it might have been a month or so ago, that God had promised that He would stop the rain from coming in Israel if, if they decided to live in idolatry, right? And that was from the book of Deuteronomy. And what happened? Uh, this happened because Elijah, he prayed for God to act according to your word. He said, God, you said this. You said you'd withhold the rain, so do what you said you would do. But God also promised Elijah specifically that he would send rain upon the earth. Back in chapter 18, look at verse 1. I just go back a page. This is a promise of God that he would send the rain. In verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. Notice that there, I will I will, I will, I will send rain upon the earth. So here we are. Elijah did what God said. He, he went to Ahab. He did what he was supposed to do. He did his part. Uh, the Israelites saw who the one true God was. 
And now it was time for God to stay true to his promise, to stay true to doing what he told Elijah he would do. And Elijah knew what God had promised. And again, we know from James that it says that he prayed for rain. And this was Elijah holding God accountable to his promise. He begged God to stay true to it as he prayed for rain. And God did, as he always does, by the way. He did indeed stay true to his word. And as we've seen in the last part of 1 Kings 18, he sent rain and he sent it abundantly. Rain came uh, down. It was a mighty rain and the drought was over. So what do we learn from this? We learn that whenever we pray, it is an excellent thing to pray according to the word and the will of God. Something that's kind of already been mentioned tonight. But it's a wonderful thing to pray his word. It's a wonderful thing to ask him to fulfill the promises of his word while we pray. You think of the fact that Thomas Watson, one of the great Puritans, he said that prayer delights God's ear and it melts his heart. Well, tell me this, how much more does it delight the heart of God to hear his children praying his word? How much does it delight God to know that his children are praying the promises of God? Let's go to John 15. Go to John 15. And this is something, I had never noticed this until this week, and I think it's just awesome. In John 15, and look at verse 7. In verse 7 of John 15, it says this, If ye abide in me, and look what it says, And my words abide in you, ye shall ask, what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. That right there is a promise. God is saying, hey, uh, you pray my word, you pray my promises, and it will come to pass. You will receive it. So let's just kind of break this down for a minute, okay? You allow God's word to abide in you. You allow his promises to, uh, to dwell in your heart. You pray the promises of God to God. You hold God accountable to them. You believe that he will uh, hold, hold fast to his promises. And you can know that he will keep his promises. And you might, now just to give you some examples. Because you may not know what I mean by that. Well, just, for example, when you, are, you have times and situations in your life where you just don't think anything good can come out of it, you know what you can do? You can pray the promises of God. I believe it's Romans chapter 8, where it says that God will work together, uh, all things together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose. You can pray that prayer and you can know that He will. He'll do it. When you have times where you feel like you're in great spiritual need, you feel like everything's falling apart, you know that you can pray uh, to God. And you can ask Him to do what He said He will do in Philippians. And, he, and you can pray that God will supply all your need according to His riches and glory uh, by Christ Jesus. You can pray that prayer when you are in desperate need and you can know that He will meet that need. Whenever you are uncertain about what you need to do in your life, you can seek the Lord and you can pray as Proverbs chapter 3 talks about. And you can pray that God will direct your path and you can know that He will direct your path. Whenever you're weary and you're burdened and you're loaded with care, you can come to Christ and you can pray that God would do what He says. And I believe it's Matthew 18. And know that He will give you rest. You can pray to God and say, Listen, God, I need rest. Give me rest in you. You said in your word that you would give me rest and I need it. Would you please give it to me? And guess what? He'll give it to you. 
If you're in need of strength, you can remember Philippians 4.13 that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can, you can ask God for strength the very moment you need it. You can say, God, man, I, I feel weak. I am weak within myself. I am spiritually weak. I need you uh, to give me strength, whether it's strength to, have, uh, to overcome sin or strength to do what you know you need to do or strength to just continue on in your life. You can ask God for strength and you can know that He will give you strength. And what about when we face temptation to sin? When you face temptation to sin, which I think, if I'm not mistaken, all of us here do, when you face temptation to sin, you can remember that 1 John tells you that ye have overcome the wicked one. And you can, tell the, you can say to the Lord, God, I know that you told me in your word that, that we have overcome the wicked one through you, and I need help in temptation right now. And guess what? He will answer your prayer. So church, there's so many promises in the word of God that we can cling to, that we can believe, and that we can pray, and God loves when we do that. He desires that we do that. He wants us to pray according to His will and to hold Him to His word. And there is great value in praying the word of God with faith, knowing that He will keep His promises. So as we consider and reflect on the the powerful lessons of Elijah's prayer, I want to encourage you to take action in your own prayer life. I don't, I don't know, you know where you may struggle in the area of prayer. But remember, in the midst of life's victories and defeats, Elijah, he was like us. He had weaknesses and vulnerabilities, and yet he demonstrated the power of prayer. So, you know, tonight, it may be that you need to commit to getting alone with God and finding... Uh, a, a place or, or just carving out a time where you can pour out your heart in humble submission to God like Elijah did. Maybe you need to dedicate yourself to this wonderful act of prayer because you're not praying right now. Maybe you need to make a prayer list or use our church prayer list or just uh, dedicate a time and dedicate yourself to prayer. We need to do what's necessary to break away and connect with our Heavenly Father. Now this is, uh, this is really a great reminder, again, during this busy season. There's so much going on I mean, you got Christmas, and then you got New Year's, and then uh, next thing you know, thank God it's spring, and then it's summer, right? It's always busy. There's always something going on. But it's a great reminder that we always need God. We always need prayer. So as you pray, persist, and, and just continue to pray as Elijah persisted on this mountain. He had absolute unwavering faith and trust in God's promises. And he had a belief that it would rain. Because God said it would. And our prayer should mirror that same persistence. And as you pray, uh, allow your petition to align with the promises of God's word. Claim his promises. There's just so many awesome promises in the word of God. And you can pray with faith and you can know that God delights hearing his children call upon him and to pray his word. And again, prayer makes a great difference. So let's not be people, let's not be Christians that neglect really the greatest force that's available to us in prayer, but instead, let's be people that honor God through active and fervent prayer. Our prayers uh, are, really have the capability of being transformative. They can change our, it can change our life if we would just pray. It can change our families if we would just pray, and it can change our church and our community and beyond. It has the power to do that. So commit tonight to asking the Holy Spirit to empower you and remind you daily to be a a Christian that has a prayer life. 
Be a committed Christian that's, that's just dedicated to continually seeking the face of our great God. We miss out on so much if we do not take the time to pray. I believe Alan this morning was talking about what we miss out on if we don't have faith. If we don't have faith enough to pray, we miss out on a lot of things. And we may not even know what we're missing out on. God wants to answer our prayers. But how is he going to answer our prayers if we don't even pray? So let's dedicate ourselves to prayer. Whatever it is that you need to uh, improve on in your prayer, I encourage you to commit it to the Lord this evening. Dedicate yourself to prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.